We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview is with Sylvia Farbstein, who is the extremely inspiring mom behind the Brandon Farbstein name. So Brandon is an inspiring mindset and empathy leader who was diagnosed with a rare form of dwarfism. During this interview, Sylvia shares how she never dreamed that she'd end up as a parent to a child with special needs. But when life proved to have other plans, Sylvia and her husband stepped up to the plate and became Brandon's cheerleaders, helping to encourage him and turn the challenge of his skeletal condition into a blessing, his very own superpower. So Sylvia shared with me how she and Brandon chose personal growth, along with positive mindsets and meaningful living to inspire and empower millions of people worldwide. They chose to focus on Brandon's inner power and talents, unconfined nor defined by limitations, perceived or otherwise. I am so excited for you to hear Sylvia's story and journey with her amazing son who has overcome some of the most difficult challenges yet has faced them with positivity and growth. Listen in and be inspired. I was definitely a lot quieter. Uh, very much of an introvert and very compliant. I was raised by European parents with very old-fashioned um, protective values who taught me to um, basically follow the rules and not question authority. And I was basically one of those kids that didn't speak until I was spoken to. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and now you're quite different than that. Oh, a hundred percent different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, did you have any exposure to children with special needs, children who were a little bit different than the typical? No, I really wasn't. And it was very interesting because I recall as a young adult, when I was working in New York City and I would walk um, to my office at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, um, either on the way to work or on the way back from work. I remember seeing young families, and there were times when I did notice some who had kids with a disability, and I would always be in awe of those parents and say to myself, wow, it takes a really special person to be able to deal with the challenges of having a disabled child. Um, but I would, I would truly like see them as superheroes um, and never, ever imagined that I would have the skill set to do it myself. Mm -hmm. What was like the 
order of occurrence of events, like with have, getting married, having children, having Brandon. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I met my husband actually on a blind date. <laughs> I was number 95. He went on wow. 94 blind dates before he, he met me. And um, ours was like a very whirlwind romance. And, and we were engaged within four months and married within 11 months of meeting. Um, and a couple of years into our um, marriage, we had our daughter, Brooke, who is now 23. And two and a half years later, I gave birth to Brandon, who is now 21. And what was interesting is that I had a normal pregnancy, a normal childbirth, and I took Brandon on his two-year checkup. And the pediatrician, who was very laid back, said to me, oh, he looks great. You know, get him dressed, take him home. And I said to the pediatrician, something in my gut tells me otherwise, it seems like his torso is growing and his limbs are shorter. And I remember Brooke at this age was changing sizes so frequently, and he's been wearing this size for a while. And it was due to me speaking up that the doctor took a closer look at him and right away sent us to a geneticist. So that experience really taught me the power of questioning and going with your gut uh, because the course of events that followed thereafter changed our lives. And basically it took six months of medical professionals looking at Brandon's skeletal x-rays for them to then be sent to the UCLA skeletal dysplasia registry where they came back with the diagnosis of metatropic dysplasia, which is a very rare form of dwarfism. So rare that there are less than 100 medically documented cases. Wow. So, you know, having that diagnosis literally come to us out of nowhere was a shock, especially, you know, for my husband and I, who we're both in the financial services world and everything was sort of black and white to us. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of knew where we wanted to go and the steps that we needed to get there. And all of a sudden we're thrown this diagnosis. And, you know, a lot of people are in a position where they can't wait to get a diagnosis because then they feel, okay, once I have a diagnosis, I know what the next steps are. But in this case, we asked the doctors, well, what can we expect? And they basically said to us, we have no blueprint. This is so rare that we can't tell you what to expect. And so we were kind of forced to take things literally one step at a time. And the one thing that we very quickly agreed on was not to feel stuck, not to sit in our grief, not to question why, but rather to enable Brandon to live his best life. That, that was our driving force. Wow. That's incredible. I'm sure there was some sort of, um, I, I don't want to say disappointment because you weren't disappointed in your, with your child, but just that life wasn't necessarily like, as you said, kind of like black and white and going in the direction that you thought it would go, go be going in, you know? 
That is a great point. And yes, I feel like as parents, we, you know, give birth to our children and we have this preconceived notion and vision of who they are going to be. And we had to let go of that. And I remember my pediatrician calling me shortly after the diagnosis came in. And he said, I just want to tell you that Brandon is going to be the person that he is meant to be despite this diagnosis. And that really stuck with me because it made me realize that I I don't need to see this as a setback. I just need to see this as something that we have to navigate around and not live into it as a limitation, as an obstacle, as a barrier for him to live a good life. Um, But yes, I will also admit that there is some sort of grief because you, you have to let go of the vision of who you thought your child was going to be. And that is something that we definitely needed to come to terms with. Because at the end of the day, you know, right now at his adult size, Brandon is three foot nine. So he's basically the size of a seven-year-old. So obviously most of the things that kids his age were doing as they were growing up were not things that he was physically able to do. Um, You know, so obviously my husband couldn't have been his soccer coach or baseball coach because those, those were activities that Brandon just was not capable of doing because of the way his legs were structured. So we had to let go of, you know, those kinds of expectations for sure. Right. Right. Wow. But you clearly let, you know, let him go and in a very healthy way, because look who Brandon has become. He is an inspiration for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people all over, maybe even millions. And, you know, that has to come from someone, from somewhere, you know? For sure. And we kind of let the path unfold on its own. And I very distinctly remember we were on vacation um, in Kiowa Island where they have lots of activities for families in the evenings. And one of those activities was a talent show and Brandon was two years old. And we went there that evening just to kind of sit in the audience and, you know, listen to the different acts and I must have like turned my back for a few minutes because all of a sudden I saw him on stage. He had grabbed the microphone and he started singing. (laughs) And it was one of those things that clearly I didn't expect, but a light bulb went off in my head saying, oh my gosh, look at the joy that he is experiencing at this moment on stage holding a microphone. And that didn't leave me. Um, you know, until a few years later, we had an opportunity to sign him up for acting classes. And he took a couple of classes and fell in love with the world of drama. And as a result, immersed himself in local theater, where he got cast in role after role of musicals and plays and would get standing ovations because people would say to him within minutes, 
I forgot about your stature and I saw you as the character that you played. So it was an amazing creative outlet for him to explore as a child. And it gave him the opportunity to feel like he was a part of something, a part of this beautiful community of other um, kids who loved the world of acting. And I think that is key, no matter the abilities of our kids, if we can find a way to get their creative side going um, or immerse them in an activity that truly brings them joy and makes them feel like they are part of a team, then we are giving them such a fantastic foundation and um, what a gift to not feel all alone. For sure. And you clearly nurtured that spirit in him. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, we would just encourage him to go after role after role. And it really kind of pushed him to do things that were challenging because it's not easy to be on stage and memorize, you know, the scripts and get into character and also deal with all of the unknowns that kind of happen at the last minute. Um, You know, invariably something goes wrong. Um, in each production, or you kind of have to, to pivot and do something a little differently. But those types of things taught him incredible skills of being adaptable and being resourceful and resilient and kind of learning to go with the flow when things don't go exactly according to plan. For sure. For sure. So how did you manage like on a daily basis? Like what were the physical and emotional, I guess, challenges that you and Brandon had to go through? Well, they didn't really start until middle school, I would say. Um, But I will go back for a second and just recall the moment when Brandon was in my bedroom looking at a full length mirror. He was about four years old And he looked at himself and he said to me, why do I look so different? And at the time, I just remember saying to him, you have special bones. Your bones grow differently. Um, Because he was looking at his legs and they were, you know, pretty severely bowed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of gave him the language that I answered his question. You know, I didn't kind of wash over it and ignore it. Um, but it didn't give him a language of limitation because I, I, you know, I said, they're special, they're different. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, and then in elementary school, what I would try to do is just go in at the beginning of every year and read a book to the kids. And it was called Alex is my friend. And it was about a boy named Alex who was significantly smaller than his classmates. And that sort of, you know, set the groundwork to, to kind of normalize the fact that Brandon was different. And we would have, you know, step stools and and different um, adaptations. But in elementary school, you don't really need that much because most of the stuff is lower anyway. But it was in Mm. middle school when we, you know, clearly saw the differences and we would meet with the guidance counselor, um, you know, who then made us aware that you can get a 
uh, 504 plan in place to have spelled out accommodations um, so that Brandon does not need to every day, you know, tell his teacher to do certain things like it'll be a, a living legal document. So that kind of carried through middle school and high school. And we would revisit it every year because, you know, there, there would be times that things would come into play that we never even thought about the year before. So things as simple as, you know, back in the day, they needed physical textbooks. So instead of him having to lug books back and forth, we requested a second set of books that he could just keep at home. That way he could have a set in school and he'll have a set at home. So he wouldn't have to carry them, you know, back and forth because it definitely would have not only been cumbersome, but just impossible for him to be able to carry them around. Um, and then things got really interesting when Brandon was 14 years old and we went to his orthopedic doctor and Brandon, um, even after having two serious sets of leg surgeries was still experiencing a significant amount of pain. And the doctor said to him, Brandon, I can't look you in the eye and tell you that another surgery is going to make this pain go away. So I really think you need to start thinking about a mobility device. And Brandon said to him, okay, what do you suggest? And the doctor said, well, either a wheelchair or a motorized scooter. And then Brandon questioned the doctor and he said, I'm already looking up at people. Why should I put myself in a position to look up even more? And my legs are working. So why would I want to use a device that encourages me not to use my legs? So the doctor asked him, well, what else is there? And Brandon said, well, what about a Segway? <laughs> so it, it was one of these things where, you know, thank goodness the doctor was open to this unconventional solution and said to him, listen, I've never had a patient who used a Segway as a mobility device, but go for it. And that's what he did. And it, as remarkable as this sounds, a few months later, I was at a professional trade show. I, I am now in the promotional products industry. So I'm at a promotional products trade show where every booth is literally just pens and, you know, things that have company logos on them. And lo and behold, in one of the booths is a mini Segway. So it was no the craziest <laughs> thing. Yeah. Wow. And I remember asking the distributor very excitedly, what is this? And he was so nonchalant and he said, oh, it's just a high-end toy for rich people. And I said, no, no, this is something that could be used by a segment of the population as a mobility device. And he thought I was crazy, but we did it. A few months later, we went, we, we picked it up and Brandon used it. And when we first approached the school system about allowing him to use this device, there was a bit of pushback. You know, they didn't know how safe it was and um, all these different concerns. And what I quickly realized is that very often we parents are told no only because things have not been done that way. 
And it is our job to not accept that and to open the minds of school administrators and, and other authority figures and enable them to see the potential of some new solutions, ones that may not have been conventionally used before, but ones that are just as effective. And so we were able to convince them that, you know, this is something that Brandon needs and um, will be allowed to use. And then, of course, we had to navigate the fact of these crazy crowded hallways in school and how was he going to be able to get around when that bell rings and all these kids are, you know, in the hallways. And so we came up with other solutions, like, why don't you let him leave a few minutes early so he's not stuck during that crazy high traffic time. And, you know, really, we, we were kind of winging it and figuring out as we went along, but what a beautiful metaphor to life. I mean, none of us have it all figured out, especially us parents. Um, but I think going through all that taught Brandon the, the beauty of not only thinking outside of the box, but sometimes just throwing the box out and, you know, <laughs> in, and, and, and as he loves to share, innovating your own solution. And that to me is such an important life lesson that we parents need to instill in ourselves and in our kids, because this is a, you know, an unpredictable world that we are in right now. And we just need to be open to the fact that things aren't always going to go as we thought they would. And it is kind of exciting to come up with new ways of doing things. For sure. For sure. And it sounds like you really helped create this like healthy and positive mindset for Brandon, you know, cause you were always looking for a solution and for something positive and how to work around something, you know? Yes. Yes. That is something that we are so passionate about what we have come to realize, um, after doing a lot of internal work is that although his stature is physically limited, internal personal growth is limitless. And he and I actually plunged into the world of personal development when he was 17 years old, um, after he was so severely cyberbullied by his high school peers that we had to pull him out of his high school. It was a very dark and painful time, um, but we ended up sharing our experience and our story in front of the Virginia General Assembly. And as a result, we're able to help get two pieces of legislation passed into law. And it really showed us the, the power and the beauty of, of sharing our story and using it for good, using it for a purpose so much larger than ourselves. And so when we pulled him out of high school, he took his classes online and they were so much easier than the challenging classes that were offered in his school building that he was bored out of his mind. And at first that was a really negative thing, but what he realized is that he could 
hack the system and do all his work at night and free up his days. And by freeing up his days, it enabled him to start his professional speaking career while he was still in high school. So just to back up a minute, I I just want to share that that mobility device that we mentioned, the mini Segway, really got him a lot of attention everywhere we went. And a few months after he got the device, we were in the airport on the way to visit my grandmother in Florida. And he was riding around on this device and a woman started talking to him and she wouldn't leave him alone. And the conversation continued. She ended up on our flight and she said to him, what is your purpose? Not a typical question that a 15-year-old will get, right? And he said to her, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure, but I know that I am here to change the world. And it turns out this woman was one of the original curators of TEDx. And as a result of that random, quote unquote, <laughs> random meeting, he and she developed an amazing relationship and she got him on the TEDx stage a few months later. Wow. So when he gave that TED talk at 15, you know, it was the first time that he was on stage as himself. And it's really interesting because as I told you, the stage seemed to be his favorite place since the age of two. And, you know, he was acting um, on so many different stages and productions. But as he later wrote in his college essay, that TED Talk was the first time that he felt seen and heard on a stage because it was the first time that he was on stage sharing his own heart, his own story, and not portraying an actor. So isn't that interesting? Totally. Yeah. So um, what could have been, you know, with the cyberbullying, what could have been a very dark and isolating part of his life that could have put him down a very deep tunnel of despair ended up not being a setback, but it actually set him up to reach unbelievable heights that we never even knew were going to be part of his life. And so he and I ended up going as um, Tony Robbins guests to Tony's Unleash the Power Within event um, that was uh, three and a half days long, total immersion of mindset, and really, you know, digging deep within, we both walked on fire <laughs> and came home from that event just on fire. And as a result, Brandon set out these lofty goals for himself, um, which he met shortly thereafter. One was to become the youngest member of the National Speakers Association. The second was to publish his first book. Um, which is called 10 Feet Tall, which is all about mindset and stepping into your truth and being able to live an elevated life by taking control of your mindset. So it's been a crazy, um, unbelievable journey. Um, But it, it has really taught us that 
you are going to have to go through painful parts of your life, very challenging parts of your life in order to find your strength, in order to find your greater purpose. And so many of us, you know, go through life thinking that we need to protect our kids from the pain and the struggle. But truthfully, what I've learned through this entire process is let's teach our kids to lean into all those unpleasant feelings. Let's teach them that, you know, falling down is really not failure. Let's teach them that they can get up over and over again. And each time they get up, they become stronger. So it, it not only has been a journey that has enhanced Brandon's life, but it really has enabled me to see as a parent that while we think we're here to teach our kids, in reality, our kids are the ones who are teaching us all the, the great lessons. Yes. First of all, I'm getting the chills listening to you talk about Brandon and like what you've been through together. It's just incredible that at such a young age, he could already work on mindset stuff because that's like the, you know, I don't know like the word to use for that, but it's kind of like the garbage that everybody has to like sift through as an adult and like deal with, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's, it's really interesting because I, I definitely felt very early on that he was born an old soul. And I really think, well, God did not give him in physical stature. He gave him in emotional intelligence and the intuitive skill to really understand what drives human souls and what drives our thinking. And he realizes that the more he works on himself, the more he is able to uncover about what makes us all tick, you know, because we're, we're all a work in progress. I mean, we, we all have to spend a lifetime unearthing all these things about us. And um, yeah, he is so passionate about his platform, which is Elevate Empathy, um, because you know, empathy is being able to walk side by side by someone, you know, side by side with someone like through their pain, through their sorrows and their struggles and not brush them off and say, everything's going to be okay. But rather I am here for you. I feel you. Um, but empathy is also kind of digging deep within your soul and finding compassion and self love and, learning to love yourself even during those dark times, you know, even during those times when you're feeling inadequate and not enough. And um, it, it's been a journey that he, you're absolutely right, that he has experienced at such a young age, but thankfully he's got the ability to communicate all these different lessons by way of, you know, the spoken word when, when he does all of his speaking engagements or when he writes, um, he creates a lot of content on social media. And um, it's amazing to, to look back and see the technology that literally could have killed him is giving him such an incredible life. Right, right. 
I'm assuming you're referring to the bullying aspect. Yes, yes, because when we were testifying and then, you know, were fortunate enough to attend the bill signing with two different governors in our state, we also met families, unfortunately, who had um, children who, who died by suicide because of cyberbullying. So, you know, it's one thing to read about the statistics or, or see stories on TV. But for me as a mom to sit eye to eye with parents who lost their kids due to cyberbullying, it, it just really was such an enormous sense of reality um, uh, of how fortunate we are to have been able to walk through those dark times. And I, I feel so blessed that I have a child who was very comfortable and open about sharing his struggles with us. Um, because he too, you know, suffered from depression and, um, even, as young as age 11 wanted to take his own life, but thank goodness I was home and he, you know, expressed all that to us and we were able to get him the help that he needed and show him, um, and show my daughter that mental health is, um, number one and that getting professional help is definitely something that we need to tap into. And it, it's just part of your medical team, you know, just like if you sprained your ankle, you would go see an orthopedic doctor. If, if you're just not feeling right mentally or are in a dark place, there are mental health professionals that can help. So I, I'm, you know, fortunate that we were able to kind of start that journey at a young age. Um, he must have gone through at least six different therapists and counselors until he found one that clicked. And I, I want to share that fact because sometimes we brush something off if we don't have a good experience with it. And I feel like therapy is, um, it, it only works when you find a professional that you truly click with. So I would encourage anyone that might've had a negative experience with therapy to not give up on it and to continue seeking out the best professional that is suited to help you. Right. That makes total sense for sure. It's testament to, to your parenting that he was comfortable um, speaking with you and sharing with you and that you went and right away took care of the situation, you know, pulled him out, did what you have to do got him the help he needed. So that's also just shows like a, like a very healthy, emotionally healthy, you know, parenting. And it just, it's really cool to see that. Yeah. It, it's really interesting that you say that because so many people said to me, aren't you going to sue, you know, sue the school, sue this, sue that. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I have come to the realization that my energy is limited and rather than focus on that and, and the anger and the frustration of what I deem is a system that is broken in, in many ways, I would rather proactively use our story to help people without, you know, just looking at what's in it for me. So that has really helped center 
myself in moving forward during difficult times, realizing that I've been through hard things. I continue to move through them and I'm still here. And I think it's an important lesson also to teach our kids because yes, they, you know, hear what we say, but more importantly, they see what we do. They see how we react to situations. They see how we show up. And I think it's really important, especially as moms and as women to learn to show up at our highest potential, to, to put ourselves first, to do the hard work so that we are able to be there in the best light instead of being bogged down in negativity and anger and frustration. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's very interesting that you, that you say that because definitely, I think the people forget sometimes they just focus on other people or the, let's say they got married young and then they just focus on their kids, but they forget that they have to do the inner work and in order to be the perfect parent and to be there for their children. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it really was interesting that we we got to attend this Tony Robbins event because Brandon was 17 and I was 50. And for us to be able to walk side by side and go through this experience together yet separately was unbelievable. And, you know, now we are just immersed in the world of personal development and have been to dozens of events um, and have relationships with amazing um, high performance coaches and speakers and so on and so forth. But what has just fascinated me is the fact that at different stages in our lives, we all need to do the same type of work. Um, And that has been such a joy to be able to see the growth in him, the growth in myself, and and the fact that there's still so much more that I don't know that I do need to experience, you know, that that I need to be open to. Um, so it's kind of fun to you know figure out something that you might be able to experience side by side with your child as well. For sure, a lot of us, especially in America, we tend to focus a lot on externals, right? It's like very much about the way we look and how tall we are and this and that. And I, the fact that Brandon and you were kind of like switch gears and focused on the inside. That is just incredible because then he was able to to really um, to grow from the inside and and inspire people and you know because it's like what you put energy into that's what grows and and now he's just it just it's just really incredible at twenty one years old where he where he is in life you know it's really true but we wouldn't have known that if we didn't take the time to like, just sit and and think about it and look back. And I think that, you know, this past year has given us all opportunity to really take stock of our life and determine whether we want to continue for it to go on that path or whether we want to make some significant changes. And in our case, 
you know, we, we spent so much time traveling and meeting the most fascinating people, whether it would be at the airport, you know, sitting next to them on the airplane or at the live events that we attended or Brandon was speaking at. And yet, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where we can no longer travel, but yet each of us feels more connected than we've ever felt before, which is ironic. But the irony is this, that we're not focused on the external stuff and we are more focused on being intentional about connecting with people, connecting with those that are looking to impact the world and move things forward. And we don't really spend our time just focusing on the negativity or just, you know, getting immersed in the turmoil of the things that we cannot control. And therefore, we are so intent on working on how we react to things and how we show up rather than, you know, trying to change everything around us. Because at the end of the day, none of us really have control over it all the stuff that is going on around us. But the only thing we have control over is how we react to it and the meaning that we assign to it. And so, you know, I love that you talked about the external things because um, there's a new app. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Clubhouse. That I just is heard audio it. Only. Yeah. So it's an audio only app. And um, I have been on it just for this past month. But my mind is just exploding over this app because I find it so fascinating that people on this app that are using it appropriately are feeling more seen than ever. Now, how is it that people could feel seen on an app where you literally can't see anyone? It's an audio-only app. And the way it is, is that people are being more intentional as to how they communicate and the words that they're using and their, you know, active listening skills and how effectively they're listening. And I believe as a result, I have been part of, and I have observed such meaningful, deep conversations that are connecting people like crazy. And I was, um, part of a conversation last night and the moderator was in France. So it's not only connecting us with each other domestically, it's connecting us globally. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating to see, as, as you said, if you put your energy into things that are going to move you further and are aligned with your values then you are going to find ways to get more connected and get more energized despite the turmoil um, and, and all the challenging things that are going on in the world around us. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, about you know the global connectivity, I guess, that, that we're experiencing now. Um, and it's so true. I, I almost feel like I've been connected with more people uh, recently than I, during this pandemic, than, than I've been in the past few years. <laughs> it's true because I feel like people are craving connection 
And those that are, are doing it, you know, with the right intention are just magnets to, to find the most interesting people and opportunities. I mean, you and I would have never met had we not been connected online. True. So I really um, find so much gratitude for technology that enables us to find each other and, and align with each other's missions. Totally, totally. Just for the sake of other moms, other parents with children with special needs, um, I would love to hear how you stay positive and get through the challenging times because it can't always be, you know, roses and. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there are so many challenging times. Um, what I try to do is first of all, get myself in a good place. And the way I do that is I make sure to take walks every day. Like for me, unless it's like raining horribly, like I try to get outside and just get in nature so I could breathe. So I can just notice things. Um, I, I feel like things are a lot more vibrant this past year than they've ever been. Or maybe I'm just more into noticing them. I don't know, but the, the flowers and the birds and, and all that. So something as easy and free as, you know, get yourself outside, take a walk, get some fresh air, um, really helps set the tone um, for the rest of the day if you could do it in the morning. Uh, the other thing is I try to curate my content online and not let myself get bogged down uh, by negativity um, or, you know, by, by any type of feelings and um, people and activities that don't serve me. So I've become a lot more intentional about where I put my energy and where I put my time. And I don't think that's being selfish. I think that's just being um, very focused on, on maximizing how I can best show up and serve. Um, and, and surround yourself with a tribe, whether it be a tribe of extended family or a tribe of friends that help you um, emotionally and physically, you know, when, when you need that kind of help, um, reach out to people. I think, um, you know, we're all craving that, that sort of human connection and conversation. And what I found fascinating is that I've been connecting with people from my past, my college sorority sisters and, you know, people that I went backpacking through Europe with over 30 years ago, you know, like all of a sudden, right. All of a sudden we have the time and, you know, through zoom or any other platform, we have the ability to reconnect. So do that because sometimes we, especially as moms forget about who we used to be, who we were. So reconnect with people, you know, from your past who, um, will will just make you laugh and think of all those fond memories. Um, and, and I would say lastly, just see your child for who they are and not the vision of who you want them to be. And once you do that, you gain a sense of appreciation for all of the small little victories, you know, all of the little things that they are able to do 
And the way you do that is by not comparing them to your other children or to their peers, but just comparing them to who they were yesterday, you know, and if you see, oh, look, you, you're able to do this and you weren't able to do that yesterday or last week, um, and you celebrate them, it not only makes your child feel great, it makes you feel great. Um, so anything that you could do to really uplift and celebrate and be more intentional about your energy and how you spend, um, you know, each moment and be mindful of it, I, I think that helps set the tone. And do I ever feel sad or dismal or stuck or frustrated? Absolutely. I'm a human being. But what I've realized is that I need to give myself the same grace that I would give to my loved ones. You know, sometimes we speak so harshly to ourselves that we would never say those words to even our worst enemy. So we, we just have to be very mindful of how we treat ourselves as well. So true. Yes. I love that. By the way, how has Brandon's condition affected um, his sister, Brooke? That's a great question. I, I feel like it was really challenging for her as a child, because there were so many things that we weren't able to do as a family. Um, and during the surgeries, we would, you know, kind of send her out to extended family and they would take her on trips and make her feel special. But at the same time, a part of her really felt like we were devoting so much energy to Brandon and although my husband, Steve and I tried really hard to, give her as much unconditional love as we gave Brandon and as much attention as we gave him, I totally understand her viewpoint. So there were some challenging times, um, especially, you know, in high school when, when like the resentment really came out and we had to work through that. And now she has, you know, come into her own. She's a, a beautiful, successful young lady who is making um, her own mark on the world and is charting her own course and has never had to live in her brother's shadow, but I think is now realizing that she is definitely not living in his shadow. So um, I think more attention needs to be paid to those siblings because, it's really hard on them. You know, there are resentments, there are some feelings of guilt. And um, we as parents have to realize that it's, it's a juggle and a struggle. And, you know, sometimes it's definitely out of balance. But I feel like, again, those difficult spots have brought us closer together. And now I really cherish time with her like when we're one-on-one -on -one. and um I think if, if I could you know give a parent a takeaway like try to do as much one-on-one -on -one time as you can for sure right that's great 
there's a lot of very helpful information in this interview. <laughs> well, I really, you know, I, I believe in not having to reinvent the wheel when, when you could share your story and le- learn from one another. It is so much better than trying to figure it all out on our own. For sure. For sure. So you mentioned, and I actually saw this on Brandon's social media account, something about elevating empathy. So could you talk to me more about that? Yeah, it's, um, it's a platform that Brandon is very passionate about. And basically, in all of his talks, he shares how his journey has really enabled him to, to see the common thread of getting through all the difficulty. And that is to have empathy, not just for other people, but really for yourself and, and really um, coming to terms with who you are and becoming comfortable in your own skin. And by sharing this platform, it just amplifies the need that we all need to learn and practice empathy from a very young age. And um, one of the laws that we had um, worked on is requiring empathy to be taught in the Virginia school system starting in kindergarten. So it's uh, very near and, and dear to our hearts for sure. That's incredible. Good for you. Thank you. Sure. So what has been the most rewarding aspect of being a parent of a child with special needs? To me, the most rewarding aspect is to see how my son, who went through a time of not understanding why he is here on this earth in the body that he is in, how I see him now embracing that uniqueness as his superpower and being able to eloquently share all of the struggles and obstacles in his journey so that people understand that we are able to fuel all of those difficulties um, and create a, a purpose with all those things that is larger than ourselves. So truly just watching him turn all that pain into purpose and to be able to communicate all these universal lessons to youth audiences and adults has been so fulfilling and heartwarming. And just to see him live a life that is aligned with his passion because he's not pretending to be someone who he is not. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really beautiful. So do you have any advice for other moms of children with special needs? My advice would be to armor yourself, (laughs) armor yourself with knowledge. Um, Definitely, you know, try to find out who are the experts in the field that are most Um, immersed in the condition that your child has. So for us, it was locating our orthopedic surgeon who literally is like the world's most renowned expert in metatropic dysplasia. And by having these experts um, be part of your team and building relationships with them, it just gives you a sense of comfort that you know that if you have questions, you can always 
go to them. The other thing is find your tribe, find your people. And that might consist of different types of communities. In my situation, um, we are part of the um, organization called Little People of America. And we've taken Brandon to um, many of their annual conferences where not only he got to hang out with people uh, with all sorts of dwarfism and realize that he is one of thousands and thousands of people all over the world, but it also enabled me as a parent to form relationships with other parents. And what I most treasure is forming relationships with those that are a few steps ahead of me. So for example, when Brandon was ready to get his learner's permit and learn how to drive, instead of feeling overwhelmed by how it is that this guy who literally is the size of a seven-year-old is going to be able to reach the pedals and the steering wheel of a car, I was able to tap into the community and find parents whose kids were older and went through this and were able to tell me, okay, these are the different adaptations that you have to look into. Um, so, you know, find your community, find your tribe so that you never feel alone and realize that you're not going to have all the answers because no parents do, whether their kids are, you know, quote unquote, normal or not, <laughs> or mm -hmm. average or not. Um, th there's no such thing as normal anyway, but realize that most of us are winging it every single day of the year. Right. And that is quite okay. Like that's how we learn. That's how we grow and we're going to mess up. And that is quite all right. And don't be afraid to, to share with your kids when you mess up because like they need to be able to see, okay, that's just part of life. And, um, it's, it's really not a failure. It's not a big deal. And then the other thing is avoid comparison. It's really easy for us, especially with social media to get carried away by these beautiful highlight reels of people's lives and photos and, throw all of that out the window. I mean, enjoy it if you want to enjoy it, but don't be overly consumed by it and do not compare your child to his peers because especially kids who are, you know, disabled and have special needs, they are their own unique creatures and we can't compare them to their peers. We can't compare them to their siblings we literally just have to love them for who they are. Right. So those are, I, I guess, my top tips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love them for sure. Those are great. So I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone at the end. What is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? I hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with getting everything right, whether it be looking a certain way, you know, presenting a certain type of family, um, having kids live into the framework that society puts on them. I really hope the next generation of women are open to the journey of uncertainty and unknown 
and realize that there is no one path to a life of fulfillment, that we are the creators of our reality. And that reality is a fluid one. And we as women have the opportunity to use our wisdom and evolve into a different version of ourselves as often as necessary. So I hope that women are able to embrace their age and their season in life and continue on living with a sense of excitement and curiosity rather than being held back by any perceived limitations. Yeah, that's great. That's really nice. That would make the world a better place for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like so much of the turmoil is based on like the misery that people have for themselves. You know what I mean? And then they show up as like these angry, crazy people. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Did you want to share about the company that you run with Brandon? Sure. Yeah. So, um, Brandon is um, all over social media. His handle is at Farbstein, our last name, Farbstein, um, on Instagram and on Clubhouse and on um, Facebook. He has uh, a public page, Brandon Farbstein. He's got about 300,000 followers online. And I have um, recently created my own uh, platform, Speak Beyond Words, and you could find that on Instagram and Facebook. And we are just really passionate about helping to widen the lens through which people see their world, because the only limitations that are out there are the ones that we put on ourselves. And we truly believe that if we elevate our mindset, we are capable of achieving so many incredible things and tap into our inner gifts. So I hope you will find us and connect with us on social media. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and you could find Brandon's book, 10 Feet Tall on Amazon. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to link all that information um, in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, Sylvia. This was such a fantastic conversation and our listeners are just going to learn so much from you. So I'm really excited for them to hear this. It was absolutely my pleasure. I, I love being able to have thoughtful, meaningful conversations. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 